0: John, in the 6th chapter, Jesus made a statement. He said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. What he was trying to help us understand was, in Hebrews 13 and 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the words that I speak unto you, they are eternal. By my stripes, you were healed past tense. Yeah. That's why today he's still speaking spirit and life into you and I. And his spirit is wanting to work this morning. God's wanting to touch this morning. Because he's alive. I want, He said, I want to give you life and that more abundantly. Because the words that I speak, they're not just plain words. They're not ordinary words. They're spirit in their life. God wants to do something powerful in this service this morning. I have no idea what Brother Flowers is going to minister this morning. but I'm going to encourage somebody to turn loose of your faith and start activating it. Come on. You may need a miracle in this house this morning. You may have a loved one that needs a miracle that's not even here today. But the psalmist said, and God sent His Word because it's eternal. God sent His Word and He healed them and He delivered them of their destruction." They don't even have to be here to be healed. God sends his word. Sister Magnus home sick with a virus. Sister Johnstone's home sick. If you look around, there's a lot of people sick and are not here today. But God is here. And God can send His Word. Sister Kylie is in the emergency room right now. we got a lot of need, don't we? But my God is bigger than all the needs that are here represented today. He can take care of them. What do you say we pray right now for these that are not here today? That God would send His Word and He would heal them. That He would deliver them of these flus, these viruses, and all these things they're going through. Lord in the name of Jesus send your word because your word is life oh God your word is spirit Lord God and I pray in the name of Jesus against all these infections against these viruses Lord that are rising up God in the name of Jesus come on in the name of Jesus God I'm believing for healing today because by your stripes It's already been paid for. I just need to release my faith in God uh, that He's willing and able to take care of this this morning. Come on, what's your need this morning? God's in the house right now. He's wanting to work. He desires to work in your life today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you just thank the Lord for what He's doing right now? Come on, just lift up your voice. Lift up your hand. Lift up your spirit to Him right now. Lord, I love You this morning. I love You and I I thank You this morning, God, for what You're accomplishing in this house right now. How You've sent Your Word, Lord God, and that You've only begun in this service to work, Lord God. You're not done by any means, but that God, we see Your power and Your glory in this house right now, God. And we're here to yield ourselves to You, God. Submit ourselves to You today, God. Your plan, Your purpose, Your will this morning, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We sang that little chorus, we're standing on holy ground, we really are. Anytime God is in our presence, It becomes a holy place, a sacred place where he's working and moving and ministering. Would you lift your hands up one more time and just love him? And Brother Flowers would come and just minister the word of the Lord this morning.
1: Hallelujah to the Lord. Hallelujah to the Lord. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Appreciate the opportunity to be with you today. I'm thankful for the Lord that his presence is here. When you get used to living in His presence, um, it doesn't take long till you realize you, when you are in a place that... I'm going to say it this way, that His presence is not the predominant factor. I will not say that you're in a place where His presence is not. Because you take His presence with you. And he, we know that He is everywhere. But it doesn't take long when you realize you, when you're in a place that His presence is not the predominant factor there. We're used to it here. Many of us, were used to it in our homes, in our automobiles, our, our offices, if you work in one. Because with you and the Lord, um, His presence is always with you. But when you when you get to a place that doesn't hold, I guess I'll put it this way, a place where his presence is not held sacred, then uh, there's a there's a, a change in that kind of an atmosphere, and um, you acknowledge that you you feel that you can tell. Wait a second, something's off here. This is not. This is not right, because God is supposed to be, He's the supreme being. He's supposed to be um, over everything. Sadly, that's not always the case in our, in our world, in our environment. But I, I, feel, I say that to just express my appreciation for His presence that I feel here. I'm thankful for that. We, we could take it for granted if we're not careful that we have the opportunity to be here weekly or more frequently. I'm thankful for that. Amen. Why don't we pray one more time? Father, we're thankful for your presence that we feel here. We're thankful, Lord Jesus, for your spirit that's already moving and ministering here, Jesus. I'm thankful, God, that I get to stand here in your presence amongst the body of believers, Jesus. I'm thankful that you've made the way for me to be here. Jesus, we're thankful for your word that you've given us. We're thankful for the truth that you've given us, for your spirit that's here. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Amen. I'm going to let you be seated. I'm going to do some reading of a few passages, but I, um, I just, I'd like for you to uh, be seated and be comfortable and let the Lord minister. So turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16. I'm going to talk a little bit about David today. And I'm also going to talk a little bit about you and I as we read and talk about David. First Samuel chapter 16. Let's start at verse 6. And this just so you know what we're reading here is when the prophet, Samuel, was sent to the house of Jesse, who was David's father to anoint the next king. Many of you, I'm sure are familiar with this passage to some degree, but that's what we're going to be uh, seeing here when this takes place. But I want you to see um, a little bit about how this plays out. So first Samuel chapter sixteen and verse six. It says, And it came to pass when they were come that he took Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. This is the oldest brother. Uh, I, I, I'll, I'll, I, I'm the second... I'm the younger brother in my family, okay? And on my father's side, I'm the second youngest of, I think, seven um, cousins and brothers. And on my mother's side, I'm the second youngest of about 20 or so of us. So there's a lot, but I was always on the tail end of this. I was the one that always had to sit at the little kid's table, if you know what I mean. Um, so so that's the setting that we find in... in Jesse goes and gets his sons and stands them up there before the prophet. And Samuel starts with the oldest. Makes logical sense. I'm going to start here. And and surely the Lord's anointed is is this one. The one that's before me. Verse 7. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance. You're looking at the wrong thing when you go to try and anoint the the next king, my chosen individual. You're looking at his countenance. His countenance is what he looks like. The physical characteristics that you see in front of you. Lord, the Lord says, look not upon his countenance or on the height of his stature And all of us. Not so tall people say, Amen. Look not on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Would you just place your hand over your heart for a moment and say, Lord, you know what's in here? So he says, I refused him. Really, what that tells me is there was a a time somewhere in that process when the Lord could have chosen Eliab, the oldest. And I don't know if it was just in a moment like that, or I don't know if it was through trials of his life. I don't know what it was, but the Lord says, I refused him. He's not my chosen one. And we see that play out so on down the line. Until all those boys are are, um, passed before Samuel, and nope, I've refused him. Nope, I've refused him. Nope, I've refused him. And this, this thing continues. If I was Samuel, probably after the first one, but especially after the second, third, and so on, I'd start to wonder if I got the right house. Where I, uh, where I, does my GPS take me to the wrong address here, or what's going on? Because I know that you said you're going to go here and you're going to anoint the next king, but it's not him. It's not the one that I thought it was, and it's not even the one that I didn't think it was, or this one, or this one, or this one. But through that, the Lord says, I don't look on the outward appearance of a man to choose who I want for my will. Now, I completely believe this is not just lip service. I fully believe Every single individual that's in this room right now has been chosen by God. Each one of us. For his will, for his purpose. He wants to do a work through you. It's his will to do a work through you. So that causes me to think, okay, well, what is it about me? What is it about you? If we know that he wants to do that, that is his will to work through us. What about me is it? I mean, I'm not the tallest. I'm not (laughs) the oldest. I'm not a rich man. I'm not a smart man. I'm not all these things. What is it about me? The Lord looketh on the heart. Now, we're talking about David here. I want you to look at Psalms chapter 139. This is the words of this this one that we're talking about David. How he sees himself and how he sees God. Because it's his heart. Scripture says that David was a man after God's heart. The things that were in God's heart were the things that David wanted to be in his own. Psalm 139 verse 1, it says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. I believe he knew this. He's writing this later in his life, past that experience at at the anointing part of it. I believe he must have known uh, you knew where I was on that day. I mean, I was just out doing my daily duty of attending these sheep, tending to these sheep. And all of a sudden, someone shows up and says, hey, hey, David, you got to go back into the house. They're waiting for you. Okay. well, what did I do wrong? What, what is it? What's going on? But he gets in there and then he, he realizes that he's anointed by, by the prophet. So he, David is here saying, Lord, you have searched me and you have known me. Thou knowest my down sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path. And my lying down and my acquainted, and art acquainted with all my ways. There's nothing about me that you don't know. Let me stop and say I still believe the things that David is saying here, he's really speaking a universal truth for all humanity. He's not just saying, oh, I'm the chosen one. Woo-hoo, look at me. I'm special. And so therefore, the Lord knows all this. No, he's saying, I don't even know what it is about me, but you know all these things. And he knows it about each one of us. He is the all-knowing God. The details that he, we're reading here and seeing that he knows about David, he knows about you. He knows about the person sitting next to you. He knows about me. He knows all of these things about all of us. Okay? Verse 5 Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand upon me. We pray that. I pray that sometimes. Lord, put your hand on or touch them. This is, where, this is where I believe that comes from. I mean, we know it, uh, it, we see the pattern in Scripture of men laying on hands, but to pray literally, Lord, you touch them. Let your hand be upon them. David prayed that. He realized that it was so. You've beset me. That means you're in front of me and you're behind me. If I'm going this way, you're there. If I'm going back up, you're there. Your hand, you've laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge, verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Thank the Lord, I don't have to figure it all out. I mean, there's things about me I probably don't even want to know. If you want to be honest, I'm going to give you a. I'll give you a uh, example slash confession. So I was driving this car. It was, I think, a '92 ish Honda Accord, and I was driving it every day to work from here in Yakima to Granger. And back, I mean that's a lot of miles, day after day after day after day. But uh, I, I I I bought it for a good price, and it was a good car. It got me where I needed, and, and I was thankful for all of that. And um, my time had come to part with that vehicle. Someone said, "Hey, I I I want to help you out here. Your your family is growing." you got this tiny little car, but I, I believe that you could use a, a, a bigger car, this, this minivan, and they helped my family get into it, and in the process of that exchange, they took the Accord that I was driving, not to keep, but just to. So this individual, he came back to me about a week later, and he said, well, how's the van? Said, it's great. It's, it's, we're loving it. It's wonderful. Well, you know, that, I took that Accord just to the mechanic to have him look at it, and the words of the mechanic were if he would have hit the brakes one more time, he probably wouldn't have stopped. <laughs> and you want to talk about a little bit of, oh Lord, thou knowest. I mean, they weren't squeaking. I've, I've had grinding brakes. I know usually when the signs are there that you need to change them. But uh, this car was just, I mean, it, thankfully the Lord put me in it, and thankfully he took me out of it. But that's what I'm saying. There's things about me that he knows that I don't even know, and if, to be honest, I probably am better off not knowing them. Because if, he would have, if, he, if the Lord would have said, you need to change your car situation around then I would have been like, okay, well, I've got to see what can I afford and what I'm going to do with this. I'll, do I list it? Do I sell it? Do, do I give it? Do, what do I do? And, and, and I'm just better off, to be honest, not even knowing those things. I, I don't care to know more than what I need to know. And so the Lord orchestrated that for me. And then he just gave me that little, oh, by the way, so that I could be thankful and so David is saying here, your ways are too wonderful for me to know. Such knowledge is too wonderful. It is high I cannot attain unto it. I really like the fact that he says that first and then he starts with what we're going to see here is He tries to explain even the fact that he doesn't know it how great it is verse 7 whither shall I go or where shall I go from thy spirit or where shall I free flee from Thy presence that's a rhetorical question where where can I go to get away from you your presence is everywhere I started by talking about this at the beginning his presence is Is everywhere. If I go over there. His presence is there. If I go over there. His presence is there. Verse 8. If I ascend. Up into heaven. Thou art there. If I make. My bed in hell. Behold thou art there. I'm going to pause for just a minute. We're coming back to that. But I want to just. I want to share something with you. Along these lines. We're talking about God who is ever present. All Fills all space at all time is another way that you could say this. Some of you may have even seen or heard of this from from years back. We know uh, David Bernard, he's the superintendent of the UPC. If you, if you get so inclined and you've got the time and you want to hear and see and learn a little bit, uh, YouTube, there is a video of a debate that Brother Bernard had with a a minister of a different faith they were debating oneness versus trinitarian doctrine one of the questions that the other minister had asked was and it was it was an attempt to set him up if you know debate style has anybody ever taken a class on debate those are pretty fun they're, 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 you get to learn all kinds of stuff about how to, how to trip somebody up with their own words and how to set up, they call it a straw man argument and all these things. Well, so the question was, do you believe God is everywhere? And uh, yes, obviously, we believe that he's everywhere. Follow-up question. Do you believe that he fills all space? Yes. He fills all space. Do you believe that he indwells all people? Oh, hang on. Where are we going with this? So yes, his, 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 yes, yes, carefully, yes, I agree that he fills all space, that he indwells all people. And he's, Brother Bernard quotes parts of this passage there as, as his answer. I believe. And as David said, if I went here and I went there, your presence is there. And the minister said, do you believe that he, his spirit indwells Satan? <laughs> no, I don't believe that. Okay, well, you just said. He fills all space, and he's everywhere, and he indwells all people. Well, Satan is not a person. He is a spirit being. Okay? So I, I know we're off topic here. I hope this is all right. I I've just went, tried, wanted to share this with you because knowledge is good. So no, I don't believe that the Spirit of God indwells Satan because Satan is a spirit. And his spirit rose up against the Spirit of God. And in doing so, he chose to not allow the Spirit of God to indwell him. Oh, man, we may be getting deeper than I thought. So, no, God's God's spirit cannot dwell there. Here's a here's another way that I heard another preacher explain this. God's he, he, he fills all space. And if you want to get real scientific about it, space and air is made up of molecules Particles, and you break that down and you've got atoms and you've got protons and electrons. What I'm saying is the spirit of God fills all this space inside all of those atoms. There's empty space between there. If you can look in a microscope, the presence of God is even there. So it's, it's everywhere all the time. It would not be a shock at all to, for, any, for someone that doesn't know anything about God or the Bible or maybe has never been into a church building, a church setting, and for them to, to visit and sit here and we say, we believe the presence of God is here. Good, okay, yeah, that makes sense. It's supposed to be. You're in a church. But for me to then take that person to Jean's Cottage Inn, sit down and have a meal with him and say, I believe the presence of God is here. Well, hang on a second. I mean, it was there and it made sense for it to be there because that's where you go to to get God. This is where you come to eat. Have a nice baked potato. Well, what do I care about the presence of God being here? Well, okay, I'll I'll succeed. That's it, it, it's, it's here because it fills all space, but it, I mean, what was it really doing here? Then we get up and leave there and we, I don't know, there's some establishments in this city that I just wouldn't go in. But if I took them in there and I said, I believe the presence of God is here in this establishment. No. It can't be. I mean, look at what's going on here. This is kind of like the opposite of what was going on in your church. How can the presence of God be here? My question is, how can the presence of God not be there? If I if I believe that he fills all space, that's not just like air that we that we encapsulate and bring in here and let it go free and then put it back in in, in the capsule and Well, yeah, it's over there, but it's because i got it in this capsule. He's either everywhere or he's not. But I, I don't know what I was saying in the beginning or why I was saying it, but I believe that there are places where his presence is not allowed to be the predominant factor and influence there, but that does not mean that his presence is not there. He is everywhere. David knew this. That's why he's writing these things. Through the inspiration of, and, and the wisdom and the unction of God, he's writing these things about God. God, I'm just going to sit here and write a little bit about how wonderful you are, about how powerful you are, about how all-knowing you are. I better get back to the Bible before I get in trouble. If I ascend into heaven, that's where you'll be. If I make my bed in hell, you'll be there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand. Do what? Even there shall thy hand lead me. And thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me. Even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. Now, I I, I realize I'm going kind of slow and I'm making a a little bit of a a mud puddle for us to jump around in and play. Now, I said I believe that David wrote about universal truths about people. And if, if he knows him, then he knows me and he knows you. All of us the same. His hand is holding me. His hand is leading me. I'll make a statement here, and I just—I'm just, just going to say this to ruffle your feathers. Did you know that David did not have the Holy Ghost? I mean, he lived in an old covenant where men did not receive the spirit of the Holy of, of the Spirit of God with the sign of the speaking in tongues as the initial evidence of the end. That—that that was not David, and he. Oh, He wrote all these things, praise God, praise him on the harp, praise him on the drums, praise him on the electric guitar. I mean, whatever you got, praise him. He didn't, that that last part I added. Okay, but so he did all those things and he did so without the Holy Ghost as you and I know it and relate to it and live with it. He's just a man He's just a little brother, but he knows God. He knows God. He knows about. He knows him. He's rela- he has had relationship with him to come to know these things about him. And he's writing these for our benefit. Now, I get the point about if I, if I get on the wings of angels and I ride up to heaven, you're there. And I, I, that's easy to understand, but if I make my bed in hell, you're there? Wait a second. What are you doing down there? See, we we want to put our own limitations on God as comfortable to us as it fits our mentality. And think, God will be with me at the time and the point that I choose that I want him to be with me. And the moment I'm ready to turn back to him, I know where to find him. In the meantime, oh, man, I just keep getting myself in trouble. i got to tell you this other story. I think I was 16 years old, 17 years old. My parents were out of town. My grandmother was in town, so I wasn't left entirely without supervision, but she was staying at our house. But all the teenagers know, the older the adult, the easier it is to pull stuff over on them. Man, did I say that out loud? Sorry. Well, they, my parents had given me specific instructions about what I was allowed to do and what I was not allowed to do while they were gone, who I was allowed to have over, who I was not allowed to have over while they were gone. I'll spare you all the details, but I'll just say I broke those rules. I had some people over that I wasn't supposed to have over. Some friends of mine and, and yeah. Yep. 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 I'm thinking it. I'm just not having to say it out loud. But we were, we were, we were doing these things. Be, why did I feel like I could do what I was doing? Because in my mind, the supervision, the authority was far enough removed that I could get away with it. And that's just a glimpse of, a, of human nature. And if I, so I'm saying that to say if I, can, if I can convince myself that I can get far enough away from the authority that I can do what I want without the consequence, then I'll do that. I mean, I, I got caught and I got in trouble and I got grounded and all that stuff. And I worked through it, and I had to, man, I had to pay money back and all kinds of stuff for the things that happened that night. We won't go into the detail. <laughs> my friends had to pay some money back for things we did. Boy, we were just not smart. Thank the Lord that that period of my life is over. Now I'm just not smart about other things. But, but So, so my, my thinking was, I can do this. And not get in trouble for it because the authority is, is out of the picture. And so, just if we talk about us in human nature for a minute, if I think God's in the church building, God's at Brother Johnstone's house, but He's not over there, He's not in the schoolroom, He's not in the classroom, He's not walking with me from here to there so here is my chance to do what it is i would do if he was not around david knew <laughs> i remember a song that they taught us as as kids be careful little eyes, mouth, those things. Because the father up above is looking down with love. You've probably heard some of that. That was that I, I kinda think that was supposed to be extension parenting. What do I mean by that? Well, I'm not always gonna be here. But you should always know the big parent is here. There, looking, watching, seeing hearing. I kind of feel like I'm teaching a Sunday school class today. But I, I believe the Lord knows we, what we need to hear. His presence is everywhere. I wonder how, and I'm not talking about this congregation for a minute, just universally across the our nation. I wonder how many people are thinking that they're getting to skip out on the fact that they have to come under authority because they chose not to go to church today. His spirit is everywhere. I told you I'm going to get in trouble if I don't stick to the Bible. The darkness does not hide us from God. Verse 13, it says, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. Now, I'm just going to, when I read that, I thought, I don't know what that means. That doesn't make sense. Possessing, I don't have reins. I'm not a horse. I don't, I'm not, you know, he's not, no. But when I look at the other translations, what, what he's saying, here, the, when you look at the other translations, the, the mental image that it gave me was, he's the little guy in the box sitting right here controlling things. It says, really, from the time and since before I was created, you were the one that made all of this. Everything about me, you made it. You created it. It says, you covered me when I was in my mother's womb. You were just there from the beginning. Verse 14, he says, I will praise thee. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I believe this is a point we all need to get to at some point in our lives. To to confess the fact that who I am was made by God. It's, It's one thing to say, well, God created everything, He's the creator of the world. That's great. That's all external. me. But it means something different for me to say he created me. He made me who I am. Like I am. All these things about me that I think I know and those things that I admit I don't know. He created all of that. He made it. He formed it. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. Two more verses, and I'm going to try to be done. Verse 15. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret. When I was formed, my substance, the things that make... Sister Kim, you've worked in the NICU before, am I right? I think about those newborn babies, many of them born prematurely. Some of them need more care. Some of them make it through. Some of them, to us, we would say sadly they don't make it through. But if we, if we just think it, think it down to that level for a moment... If I can look at, at that human being and say, Lord, you made this. You created this. You formed this. Again, we're talking external. So it's kind of easy to just say, okay, yep, whatever happened there, he did it. We believe that. But if that was me, And I backtrack through the years to the point that I was created and I say, that's my substance. That's what determined who I am. And Lord, you were there at that point. You know me. And curiously wrought in the lower lowest parts of the earth thine eyes did see my substance yet being unperfect now unperfect here is not what we might think it is I, oh well I'm, I just can't do everything right and perfectly no he's talking about being in the state of incomplete This is not a biology class, but most of us, we know the stages that a child goes through when they're in the womb, developing this, and this far along they've got that. At that stage, it's an imperfect person. I'll say that one more time for effect. Person. It's an imperfect person. And David is saying, even at those earliest stages... You knew me. You created, you formed, you were there putting these things together to make me. And in thy book, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. In your book, my life was written down, as though it had already been played out when none of it had happened yet. That's what he's saying there. You know all of this. Now jump down to verse 23. He starts the chapter by saying, you've searched me. You've searched me and known all this about me. Now, verse 23, he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Verse 24, it says, And see if there be any wicked way in me. He spent all that time talking about how he got where he was, Who the fact that God created him through these wondrous works that he can't even comprehend and explain and describe, and he's always there with him. He knows everything there is to know about him. And then he says, see if there's anything wicked in me. if we're we're going to be completely honest, if there's something wicked in there, God did not put it there. This This entire chapter is introspective to David. And at the end, he's saying, I want you to look in here and see if there's anything in here that doesn't belong because you've created me, because you've known me, you were there at the beginning, you, you knew my substance before it was formed, you will know, you will recognize, you would know right away, is there something in here that I didn't put there? Any wicked way in me. When I was 16 and I disobeyed my parents, did he put that in me? Ooh, that's a, that's, there's a good ethical question for you right there. We could debate that one for a while. I've got strong feelings that might contend for both sides. Did he put that in me? Any wickedness? No. Yeah. But did I do it? Oh, yep. Did I did I did I did I attend the wickedness? I did. Did I mm, did I, did I willfully choose to allow wickedness into my life? Confession again. Yes. Through my behavior, we call that sin. Through my knowing behavior, which I knew was unpleasing to him, I invited wickedness in. Now, thankfully, through my behavior and his me working together with him, we call this forgiveness, repentance and forgiveness. Then we can get that wickedness out as if it did not happen. That's why David is saying, I want to be the form that you made me to be, nothing more. If there is something more, it did not come from you, and theref- therefore it is wicked. Now, we, 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 we read that, and we think about the, the laundry list of things that we've done that are bad, that are wicked, and how they got there. What I'm saying is, anything that he didn't put there Let me use this analogy real fast. I'll let you stand with me. I'm going to come to a close here. We we know that David also, he wrote Psalms chapter 53, which we often refer to for repentance when we talk about repentance and forgiveness. Um, I didn't know for a long time that those two things were not synonymous, repentance and forgiveness. Um, I'll just... I'll be honest, I would be praying, and I would say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, I repent. Lord, forgive me. Lord, I repent. Lord, forgive me. Lord, I repent. And I kind of felt like I was saying the same thing. I really don't know the difference in praying one versus praying the other. They are not, they, they go together, but they're not the same thing. I can, he's the one that chooses To forgive. Okay? We're thankful for that. He is forgiving. He is forgiveness. It's, It's a part of who he is. To forgive. But for me, for my sin, he does not repent. I repent. If you want synonymous for a minute, the word repent is synonymous with the word change. To repent means to change. Many of you have probably heard this before. In in our armies, our military here in in the United States, as they are marching and they are marching this direction, they say, company halt, about face. And they face this way. Through language and and, and translation of things in other countries for their military, when they are marching this way, they say company halt in their language. The word that they would use is repent. We all know what that means. To change your direction. Now, this this is the analogy that I feel the Lord gave me a while back. If I see, if I'm seeking him for forgiveness and I'll use my, my sin, my sinful life as a pair of muddy tennis shoes, this is, this is my shoes. Look how, how dirty they are. How, how I, I got all, I got him through all this mess and, and just, just as easy as he forgives. He would say, here you go. Here's your new tennis shoes. Bright, shining, clean, sparkly, white. Not even the shoelaces have a sign of dirt. They're perfectly clean. You are forgiven. Now, at that point, I did not repent. I asked for and accepted forgiveness. The point at which I repent is after I put those new, beautiful tennis shoes on and start walking my direction in the first muddy puddle that I see. Am I going to choose to jump back into it? Or am I going to choose to avoid it? That is my decision for repentance. I get to choose. It's me staying out of the mud. It's me staying out of the dirt. That's me being repented. So it's kind of hard to say, uh, I'm just going to try to help you. It's kind of hard for us to come to the altar and say, Lord, I repent. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's not the entirety of it. Because it's pretty easy to stand at the altar and say, I repent. Because there's no muddy puddles that I'm standing in while I'm doing it. When I know that I'm truly repented is when I can take the forgiveness that he's given me and keep it clean. I'd like us to pray together. I believe the presence of the Lord is here. I believe he's, he's been here since the beginning. He wants to work through us and for us today. I'm gonna encourage you to find a place to pray. If it's forgiveness and repentance that you need to work through, let's do that today. If if you just wanna to express to the Lord, Lord, you're my creator, you know me, all these things about me. This is the time. Let's this altar is open. I invite you, find a place to pray today.
0: continue to pray here a couple things we've repented we've sought forgiveness and that we need to do if you have done that and you need healing in your body I want you to come forward you need healing in your spirit. I want you to come forward. Come on, we've got everything under the blood. See, sometimes when we're in these places where we may we feel that where my life's a mess, I couldn't be healed. I I couldn't find deliverance, but I feel in the Holy Ghost God's got a plan for you this morning to be touched, to be ministered to. In the name of Jesus. That's it, come on. Hallelujah. He's the healer. He's the great physician this morning. He's the almighty God this morning. And he's wanting to heal right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, come on. Come on, he's the healer right now. Come on, we're gonna lay hands on you. We're gonna pray by faith right now. I have repented. My sins are forgiven in the name of Jesus. God, I'm ready now to receive what you've got for me right now. I receive my healing in the name of Jesus. I receive my deliverance in the name of Jesus this morning. Yes, Lord. Come on, that's it. Come on, in the name of Jesus.
2: My